0: All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Cutlass Podcast. So today I wanted to build on a topic that was touched upon in an episode I recently did with uh, my Petty Officer Guy co-author, Dan Richard. It was called How How to Be a Better Leader, a Follower's Perspective. And I basically asked him, you know, what are the attributes you look for in a good leader or the things you've seen? And one of the things he brought up was he looks for strong levels of emotional intelligence. So my guest and I today are going to take some time to explore emotional intelligence more in depth. And I think you're going to get a lot out of this. I think we're going to be able to translate this, what may be, sound like a vague abstract concept, into practical application and advice. Perhaps you've heard of emotional intelligence, or, you, or perhaps you think you know what it means, um, and you want to translate it into something you can use day to day or you can improve. So I think we're going to give you some insight to strengthen the skills that underlie high levels of emotional intelligence. And with me to discuss this is Mike Amenti. I recently worked with Mike on an episode of the From the Deck Plates editions of the Proceedings Podcast. At the end of that episode, he mentioned he was willing to come on and discuss EI because this is a favorite topic of his. So Mike, welcome to the Cutlass Podcast. What's going on with you?
1: i uh, just keeping busy. Thanks for having me back. I really enjoyed the last podcast uh, and really excited to be talking about uh, emotional intelligence today and kind of educate the fleet to be uh, better and uh, just more rounded leaders.
0: Absolutely. And then... Hopefully, this. I think this podcast even reaches beyond the fleet. Ideally, it's that's the target audience. But I know there's other leaders and managers developing that can get something out of this. So, all right. So, real quick, Mike, tell the audience a little bit about yourself
1: and why this matters to you. Sure. So, um, I have uh, 12 years of total service. Six of that was active duty on submarine stationed out of Groton, Connecticut. Uh, I'm a reservist now, still supporting the submarine community, mostly doing a uh, water space management. Uh, and on the side in the reserves, I'm also doing some work with, uh, Joint Chiefs of Staff on, uh, some bold quest exercises. So really exciting, uh, cutting edge stuff. Uh, it's uh, great to still be able to support, uh, not only the Navy, but the, uh, the rest of the armed forces as well as some of our allies. Now, I was going to say, you know, emotional intelligence, this is something that I think that regardless of where you are in your career, uh, very junior sailor, very senior, maybe an officer, this is something that's just going to make you not only a, a better leader, but a, a better team member. And that's the, that's the most important team for us to be able to accomplish our goals to have a very cohesive team. Okay.
0: Well, I know I'm excited to hear your insights and gain a better understanding of how leaders can use the to really not suck quote unquote, or not to be a <laughs> boss hole. As I referenced in one podcast episode, um, So let's start with giving – give us your take, right? What's Mike Amenti's take on emotional intelligence and why did this become such an important
1: topic for you? I think it really became important when I reported to my first ship. I knew that there were interesting dynamics. Now, when you go through boot camp in A school, you know that there's certain leadership dynamics, but you don't really see it in action. And very early on in the reporting, I knew that there were certain chiefs, LPOs, or just really outstanding sailors that were respected for who they were and how they treated other people. I, I knew this was a thing, right? I knew that there was some sort of name for this. I didn't know what it was. Okay. Uh, and it turns out that's emotional intelligence. And a lot of this really boiled down to how do they communicate to people? You know, do they talk to them like they're individuals? or did they talk down to them? Uh, and that's when I started doing some research and found some works through uh, Harvard Business Review, and I started reading everything on emotional intelligence and, and leadership theory that I get my hands on. So you started to facilitate this at your
0: command, too. What's the response been?
1: Oh, it's, this has been um, probably one of the best Sailor 360 topics that I present. I've been starting to uh, send it off to different reservists at different NOSs throughout the country. Yeah, this is... Sailor 360, obviously it varies by each command. Uh, and a lot of it is um generally, I don't want to say dry training, but it's very predictable. This can be a very interactive um, training, and it's something that we need to get everybody involved for. Because, And we'll talk a lot about it later on, but I do a lot of really interesting uh, hands-on scenarios, and we even do a little bit of role-playing, where I do a, a version of the telephone game where... You know, the E-1 has to get a message up to the division officer and the way that you speak the message differently, right? That the root of the message is still there. Hey, maintenance is complete. But the way you say it to the work center supervisor is different the way that he had reported up to the chief. So we've had really great feedback on it. And and even I I probably do this twice or, or three times a year, depending on how the response is and if the sailors want to go over again.
0: I was introduced to emotional intelligence when I went to the senior or the executive senior leadership course, which is for you know probably senior officers, uh, senior civilians, and then they were invited senior enlisted at that time. We didn't go into it at the level we did. We did an overview, and then we did a self-assessment, and we read the book, or were referenced to emotional intelligence 2.0, and I'm sure you've read that one. So yeah. uh, yeah. from what I remember, and we've talked about uh, there's four skills that underlie strong levels of emotional intelligence. So one is self-awareness, one is self-management, one is social awareness, and then the last is relationship management. So let's explore each one of those, starting with the skill of self-awareness. So what is this? Why is it important? And how do we
1: develop it? Certainly. Now, So before I get into this, I, I kind of I, I give this caveat in my training. You know, this kind of sounds like uh, touchy-feely, emotional stuff that a lot of people don't want to discuss. But if you can understand these attributes, you're going to be a more relatable leader. And you're going to be an ally to those junior personnel and even the um, senior personnel above you. Okay. Uh, So that being said, self-awareness really boils down to the ability to understand your emotions and how they affect your behavior. You um, yeah, Paul, I think you and I can each imagine somebody that we know who, when they get really upset, you know, they're just like this bull in the china shop for the rest of the day. It, no, but they're unapproachable. Uh, they just get really riled up. Um, this isn't professional behavior. It's not healthy for them or for the people around them. And the unfortunate thing is that can set a precedent for that division, that shop, that ship. And a lot of times your newly reported personnel, they'll see that. They don't know any better. They're fresh out of A school. And, you know, they might think, well, if my LPO is acting like that, that's acceptable. Or that's just how we do things on this ship. And, you know, when you have your emotions dictate actions like that and what can potentially turn into a a hostile work environment, we start to lose retention, which is incredibly important. But we also... Put up barriers that prevent people from wanting to talk to you. If, if that's your LPO and you know that he gets upset very easily, you're probably not going to want to go to him with an issue. Maybe you have problems with maintenance or, you know, like me one day, you removed the tag that you shouldn't have removed. Yeah, You know, you're not going to want to go to him because you know it's going to blow up. But if we understand our triggers and we can most importantly take a break, assess the situation, And then, and then go from it. It's, it it almost gets into a therapeutic, therapeutic, uh, thinking because you don't want to, you don't want to act irrationally and you don't want to go off the cuff. Um, it's incredibly important to control those actions and and be aware of it. And that kind of leads right into, into our second topic, self-management. And when you, have the ability to control these impulsive feelings and behavior because each one of these build on top of each other. And I think you'll see that as we go through okay. here. Yeah. If you, if you can intro- control your impulsive feelings, I'm not saying that you can't be upset. You know, there there is a time and a place for that. Um, but you need to know your triggers. You need to be self aware and you need to be able to act appropriately for the situation. Uh, like I talked earlier, I do this telephone game. So. You know, if, let's say, an ET2 comes up to you and says, hey, hey chief, I-, I didn't get the maintenance button today. Well, in that split instant, there's a million things going through your mind. Well, why didn't he get it done? And you might be upset in the very beginning. Um, so it's understandable to be a little harsh, but what you need to do is you need to step back and figure out why. And emotional intelligence is a two-way street. That ET2 has the right answers. He just can't formulate it because he lacks his own deep emotional intelligence to be able to explain the situation. There could be hundreds of reasons why it couldn't have been done. It could have even been a roadblock that the chief himself implemented. Um, but when we just lose control and we act on impulse, then we start building up barriers and we start breaking down communication up and down the chain of command. So self-management and self-awareness, they go hand in hand. We need to understand ourselves And we need to be involved to understand others and how our reactions can can affect the dynamic of the entire division.
0: Okay. So, yeah, I like that know-self, right? That's what I wrote down, knowing yourself, basically. Mm -hmm. But how does someone get to know their self, right? Um, Is it based on primarily – is it something you go, aha, or is it based primarily on feedback from your audience and be able to open a channel of feedback? Um, And frankly, in Johari window language, to open that unknown that others know. You know, it's, there isn't one right answer.
1: You know, there are some times where even myself in, you know, my civilian career or my Navy career, I kind of have like an aha uh-huh moment. Oh, you know, my, the way I said this or my actions, or maybe the way I, um you know, put out our work list, that could have caused an issue. But equally as important is getting feedback. And the hardest part of that, and this is the, the biggest struggling block people have when we get to emotional intelligence, is you have to be humble enough to take that feedback that can sometimes be very harsh, very brutal, and very to the point. Um, And it's it's difficult, especially when you get to higher positions of higher rank and higher authority to listen to a very junior or newly reported individual to basically have them say, hey, look, I don't like the way you're doing this or The way this went down affected this, that, and the other thing. So a lot of a lot of the core emotional intelligence is is being humble and being really basically a good servant leader, understanding that we are only successful as the people under us, and we need to make them successful. And a lot of that stems from the way that we put out our our daily orders or our beginning work list and our interactions with our individuals. We need to have we need to have good personal relations with with everybody up and down the chain of command. So is this the point where I made in a
0: public speaking episode I did with Mashi Chief Ruiz, we talked about, I said, as I'm talking to an audience, right? I'm connecting. I I think I know my audience. I think I know my message. I'm trying to deliver. I'm expecting a response, but I'm sensing, right? Mm-hmm. I'm looking for the physical cues. Because during a speech, you know, in certain things, when you're delivering, mm-hmm. most people aren't going to give you verbal feedback Im- and immediately. And there's some venues where you're not going to get right. it. And frankly, nor are you seeking it, perhaps. That's what I do. I look and, you know, there's an innate thing, I think, to be able to gauge from the response like, ooh, something is not off about the way I am presenting.
1: Is that a piece of this? Yeah, absolutely. I think that the sailors that are qualified MTS or anybody who's teaching at a schoolhouse, uh, one of the the side gigs I have, I teach business classes for a university. And you're absolutely right. There are times when I'm giving a lecture or explaining a topic. To students, and, and you really have to hone in on a lot of times nonverbal cues. Are they getting the message I'm explaining to them? And it's difficult to, especially if, it, if it's a very scripted thing. Maybe it's a speech you're going over a PowerPoint or a very detailed lesson plan for a school. Sometimes it's difficult to change that on the fly to increase engagement and making sure that they're really getting the message I'm putting out there. And a lot of times, it's just human nature. I mean, you're not going to give a lot of verbal feedback immediately. Right. Uh, and, and a lot of times, it would be inappropriate just to raise your hand and say, Hey, you know what, Paul, I really don't like what you're saying. It's not good. That's right. <laughs> not going to happen. Yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> I don't want to jump ahead yet into social awareness, and I might be getting into that there. But so back to knowing self again, real fast. So I think we all know, like, people should know, like, hey, when I hear something or I get news I don't want to hear, I respond a certain way, right? And there's some social right. context that makes things appropriate, right? So when you hear good news, you should there should be a response that corresponds to a feeling of right. like. And the same thing, when you hear bad news, there's a way to respond. So just taking time to know, I, I would hope people pause and go, when I hear something good, here's how I respond. Or if I don't, here's how I respond. And then I think the next thing is managing self is more like managing the response to what you hear and what you do. Is that what you're talking about?
1: Yes, absolutely,
0: absolutely. So we're knowing ourselves. We know when we deliver, and we're in a certain situation because I think this is very situationally based too, right? Um, mm-hmm. It could be to, yeah. You know, it could be you know one on one engagement. It could be trying to manage conflict. It could be giving a public speech, right? So you got to kind of put emotional intelligence in context of the situation again. So you knowing yourself, you've been able to manage yourself or manage your response
1: appropriately. What's the social awareness piece of this emotional intelligence? This is really having what I like to call situational empathy. You know, do you recognize the concerns and emotional cues of others and can you adapt that to your situation? You know, the way you handle a situation in the cheese quarters is differently than when you do it on Cruise Mess or if you'd have to do it, you know, in front of the CO in the wardroom. You might have the same message to spread out to relatively the same audience, but we need to understand that Things happen differently depending on where you are. That's why we need to be, you know, situationally empathetic. Um, and this is hard because everyone perceives situations differently. And we don't necessarily know other people's backgrounds in that. And a lot, I, I take this to heart when I do CDBs, especially gaining CDBs for our new sailors, career development boards. And I have somebody new to report to the command. I have a standard list of questions that you would get at any command, but I want to make sure that when they sit down with myself and RSTL, we want to know everything about you. What's your background like? Where did you come from? Where did you grow up? Because all of this information can give us a picture into how you might understand things. You know, maybe, maybe you're the first one in your family to the military. We know deployment. We're probably going to have to talk a little bit more about deployment for you. Or, you know, maybe you were from another branch, or we saw a lot of surface sailors come to sub. So they knew the Navy, but we had to talk a little bit more about submarines. When I give this presentation in Sailor 360, I do an exercise, and I, I highly recommend people to Google this. It's by um University of California, Berkeley, and I can give you a link, Paul, if we can put that out. Yeah, I'll put it um, in the episode. It's emotional, description. Great, thank you. It's an emotional intelligence quiz, and there's really no right or wrong answers. Uh, but you see different facial expressions uh, of a woman. It's the same woman throughout. And you usually have four choices on what how she's feeling. So she'll make a face and happy, sad, disgusted, or whatever. Um, what I love about this is there's multiple layers of difficulty. Um, we don't know her. We don't know the context of the expression. Uh, we also don't know anything about her because – you know, different people, depending on where you grew up, there's different expressions. You know, somebody from the Midwest might think that that expression could be a little offensive, but somebody from the Northeast might not. Um, But the overall thing, you know, we're all humans. All right. We can all emphasize with somebody. And it's interesting looking at the diversity of, you know, of answers, looking at the same question. And like I said, there's no right or wrong answer to this. All right. But it could be an eye opener for people. You think, I always have one sailor who says, "I'm I'm really good at reading people. I know exactly what mm-hmm. you're thinking." And they go through this, and you can't really stumble a lot. And I really drive home that the key takeaway is it's incredibly important to know your people, know who you're working with, Um because if you don't, and, and it can be personal things, you know, maybe maybe Joe's having a really bad day today, but if you weren't engaged in morning quarters, or you're not actively going out to the deck plates and talking to your sailors, you might not know he's having some issues. So you might put out a daily work list or, or task him with something and he just gives a really, ah, shrug it off or grimace or something. But because you're missing those cues, you might think that he's just being defiant or his work performance goes down. And when we have these conversations in the Sailor 360 environment, it, it's, it's eye opening because everybody's so, oh, I, I saw something similar. This kind of happened with me in my last command. And it, it's really interesting to see that, you know, we got nine out of ten things right for emotional intelligence, but we're missing that last mile of, of really engaging with our people and knowing who they are and knowing the situation, too. Um, You know, there's sometimes, you know, you don't want to put somebody on the spotlight, maybe in front of the wardroom, but, you know, if you're in crew is mastering your divisional spaces, you can get away with that. So... You know, we really need to be socially aware and have good situational empathy.
0: Does this kind of get into what we talked about on the Proceedings Podcast with your own implicit bias towards your audience, where you'll start to assume things of about them and how they respond or the way you message to certain audiences compared to others?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's what kind of triggered me off into bringing up emotional intelligence on that podcast, you know, because it's... I, I can't stress enough on how important it is to have that 360 view of everything going on in and around you with different people. And, you know, I, I focused a lot and this makes you a better leader. It makes you a better manager. But to, to be honest, it really boils down just making you a, a better, more relatable person. Right. You know, you're going to have sailors going to want to talk to you about work things, personal things, professional things, but it can be done in a way where, all right, you're still the chief. I'm still, you know, that third class or that E3, I can talk to you about these things, but we're not crossing crossing any lines. Okay. at some point in time during this, they say, well, you know, why isn't this, you know, fraternization if we want to get to be how touch and feel with people? We we don't want that. We just need to have a good understanding of individual backgrounds and individual's feelings and emotions and how they perceive everything so that way we can have a better working relationship with them.
0: Yeah. And it allows you to appropriately select influence tactics, as I've mentioned, in several other, um, I mean, how you're going to approach this person. You might assume one thing without social awareness and these other tools, you can just select uh, the, you know, you might go to the wrong influence tactic. Um, you, you assess or in situational leadership, you misassess your person's capability or where they're at. So, all right, let's move on to this fourth component. And and before we go on to the fourth, are these things all blended together? This isn't like linear, right? It's not like, hey, I know myself, and then I manage myself, and then I know – how does this work out in a person's brain?
1: Yeah, it's absolutely all related. It's, it's one big web. I like to look at relationship management as kind of the capstone of emotional intelligence, but I don't want that to make it sound like it's more important than any of the other three. Okay. And you know, we really want to make sure, can you maintain good relationships – Can you communicate clearly and effectively? And can you lead and inspire others to work in a team? Yeah, The good test of this is, are you that LPO or chief who can counsel a sailor who really screwed up? Can you counsel them and get them on the right path and do all the proper administrative things that we have to do, but still maintain a good working relationship to build them back up? Because a lot of times you see when somebody goes through a disciplinary review board, there, there's an attitude change. And it's, it's rightfully so, right? They, they messed up, um, you know, they, it, it's a public thing in, in a lot of senses. But it's a good sign of a leader when that chief or LPO can pull them aside and say, hey, listen, we understand what happened. We got it. We're not going to do this again. But this is what we're going to do to get you back on the right track. And and if we can grab them early and really fix them, that to me, that is that individual, that leader understands emotional intelligence. They might not know what it is, but they know the ingredients to be a good, effective leader who can be relatable, but stern, but still have a very powerful working relationship with everyone.
0: Okay. All right. So leaders, you know, and and. Followers should take time to build these skills, right? To build the overall level of emotional intelligence. And you've heard it, right? The Cutlass leadership mantra is to become more sturdy, versatile, credible leader. And I definitely think emotional intelligence helps with all three of those. But let's get into some kind of, I like to always ask, like, what things look like or what sounds like, right? But what are the personal (laughs) indicators that a person can think about um, that we've developed or developing and moving towards a higher level of emotional intelligence. What does high emotional intelligence look and sound like? I know we've touched a little bit, but um, can you put it in that kind of perspective?
1: Yeah. You know, I think looking back at all, you know, anybody I worked with, any leader manager, I think one of the, the most outward and common signs is someone who pauses before they answer. And a lot of times that can be a little annoying, right? Cause you'll, You'll give them this question. You'll give them some bad news, and they might lean back in their chair and put their fingers together and, and think about it. Um, a, a good guy that I respect, he calls this my noodle moment. What they're doing—they're ingesting everything you just told him, and they're not allowing their emotionals, their emotions to be impulsive. Because you could have, you could have dropped a bomb on that person right now, but they're just taking it in. Um, so, pausing. Pause before you answer. Taking. What taking your inputs, formulate it, and give an answer, you know, and that's really good. Like, if, if you're in an argument and somebody's mad at you, human nature is just to go off on them, you know, just throw it back in their face and, and, and keep on fighting. But sometimes we really need to take a moment and assess the situation. And this is difficult in the heat of the moment, but with practice and with self discipline, I think we all can get there. You got to understand, you know, why, is, why are they upset? Are they upset at me or are they upset at something else? What can we do to make this better? And most importantly, and this is something I remind almost everybody that I work with or, you know, who who sees me as a mentor, you know, how would you feel if you were in their shoes? Put the situation around. If this happened to me, what would I react? What would I do? And then answer. This is hard, right? Because I just threw three or four different things that we need to analyze in a second and Give a response. Um, I fail at this. I, I, everybody felt There is no perfect leader. We all fail at this. But even if we do get emotional, go up to, you know, crank it up to 13 right at the very beginning, we can always pause. You can always pause, bring things down. That's huge, and that's a very outward sign. Uh, some other things that I can think of, um, and these are just traditional good leadership qualities that I think you can look in any manual, you know. Being humble being honest being authentic having that uh there was there's a chief that I I respect I, I think he's one of the greatest people I ever worked with he would be the absolute first person to admit fault no matter what hey this is my fault my guys my division I got it um, you know he would he would run the football for us he was very very well aware of emotional intelligence although I don't think he understood that that was a thing right um, you know, high emotional intelligence can come in many, many forms, some tangible, some not. But once you understand these four attributes, you'll be able to start picking out people say, oh, yeah, you know, this th- that guy understands it. He has it. Right. Um, and that, that's huge. And I, I would recommend, you know, if you identify people that you interact with with high emotional intelligence, go talk to them because they might not understand that this is a science and have them look into it to, to better themselves, to be a more better and relatable leader.
0: Okay. Yeah. I wrote down some notes here, you know, cause I'd been, like I said, I'd, I'd read about EI and I'd kind of touched on it before, but this conversation being for it really made me sit down and review it. Um, things I wrote down, like, so there's this concept of, so if I have high EI and it kind of relates to the things you talked about, so I, I can perceive emotion, right? So I have the ability to detect and see emotion. Like I mentioned in people's faces, in pictures, voices, yeah. like you mentioned too, and get the feedback and even the ability to identify my own emotions, Um, that's one part of it and then once you have emotions understood right being able to harness emotions right to facilitate your influence and problem solving and that doesn't mean you can't be mad it doesn't mean you can't be happy right but you're able to take those emotions recognize them and put them into the context so you know like i mentioned on a you know i think it was a youtube video i did about coercive power you know sometimes it's just you know i can express you know a threat just with my face or I show anger, right? Or I can express threat of disappointment, right? Just like, Oh, uh, I'm so disappointed, and frustrated right now. It's okay. Cause you want to communicate those things. So your ability to use an emotion, cause sometimes you've, you've seen it. I've worked for leaders that show no emotion at all. There's no effect. And then that, that's kind of not a good thing either. Cause you don't know where you stand. Right.
1: right. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, and then another piece of it is like we've talked about, right. And this gets into the social awareness piece and, um, understanding emotions, right? So it would be an ability to comprehend emotions and there's a range of emotions. Not everyone is frigging, you know, fully mad or fully angry. Right. Um, and how those emotions mm-hmm. can be influenced by a person's background. Right. So again, your point, and I've made this many times, knowing your people, this is the stuff we're talking about, right? It's not memorizing family rosters and stuff like that. It's like, right. you know, taking time, not necessarily in a formal, you know, check-in interview, but, you know, just over time, you know, learning your people, how they react and investing the time to really understand how they do that and using that to your advantage as a leader. And then again, you know, finally, like we talked about management, right? Managing your emotions, the ability to regulate the emotions like in yourselves, in ourselves and others. An emotionally intelligent person, I think, can can use and harness emotions all kinds of them, negative ones too, and manage them towards their goals. And like I said, they can take their frustration, but they can apply it using the right influence tactic. Um, they can take their sense of pride in their people and they can apply it with an inspirational appeal or ingratiation or the different influence tactics you've got. So I think that's what it looks like or the points that you can get at. But like you said, when you, it's almost like you know it when you see it and, and when it's not there, you know that too. So what's? give me an example of what a low EI, like reality, like give me a couple examples of where you've seen a low EI leader, what they would say or what they do in a given situation.
1: You know, these are, this is that stereotypical, do as I say, not as I do individual. Okay. Yeah, this is somebody who blames everybody else except for themselves for a reason. You know, there, there's a lack of leadership, right? Maybe they explode emotionally or if somebody screws up you'll never you'll never hear the end of it right um there was there was an lpo in our division that i, I interacted with who would never allow this certain sailor to do a maintenance because a year and a half ago he screwed it up i'll never get it right well come on man like you know what are we doing to to build this individual up yes. we can't hold on to grudges you know because that's they're not building their knowledge they're not building their experience It's a, it's a bad attitude and mentality. It hurts divisions. It hurts attitudes. It, you know, ultimately hurts retention. And that's something that everybody needs to be thinking about, but these are, that's, that's low EI. It's somebody who will not take fault. They will blame everybody but themselves for even blatantly obvious thing that they did. Uh, and I think, again, that's something you you know, when you see it, I, I bet everybody who's listening to this can think of one or two individuals that fall into each one of these categories.
0: Yes, I'm with you. So I think it's people that stress out easily, right? I've seen these people like pressure comes on again, knowing yourself, right. get stressed out easily. Like I didn't know on the other end, sometimes people don't stress out enough, right? They don't assert themselves or they don't like the situation calls for you to get stressed and get yeah. engaged and they don't do it on the other end. Right? right. So it's not just being an asshole leader per se, but like you said, you hold right. grudges. I've seen people that they make assumptions about people and then just offend them. Right. Or defend their own right. actions and their own, you know, without even being open-minded, um, not letting go of mistakes, that kind of stuff. So, I think people, again, they know people what it looks like um, when a person has low EI, or at least, hopefully, this episode has helped you think about, hey, am I a person? Do I have these kind of triggers? And like with all this, right? You can just yeah. Google this stuff. Just Google oh, like symptoms of low emotional intelligence or high emotional intelligence, or the attributes of those people with that. And you'll probably have a self-checklist that you can go through if you're willing and able to really take time to do number one, know yourself, and then be um, committed to improving as you go. So from a follower perspective, let's get into that, right? So clearly we all want to work with people that are high EI, um, and that doesn't mean they're fun, right? But they they definitely are <laughs> balanced, you know, firm and fair kind of leaders, I think. But that's not reality. And you and I, we talked a little bit, but I far too often I hear these stories of how low emotional intelligence leaders destroy climate and productivity. So what's What's your advice to those followers out there who recognize, like, oh, crap, I've got a low EI leader. <laughs> I'm working for them. <laughs> but you can't, right? You can't just – well, in the civilian world, you could just leave. In the military, not so much. So what's your advice? No, you suck, yeah. Yes, What's your What's your advice for them to be able to survive and thrive working for a, a low EI leader boss or manager?
1: Yeah, the, the change starts with you. It's like you know you see those inspirational posters. You know, be the change you want to see in the world. Um, even if you have a leader who has low EI, you can you can counter that. You can start to explain to other people why you you might come in the morning and put out the daily work roster and rant and rave and be everything but at some point in time you're gonna have to set up respectfully don't watch the chain of command watch your you know rank relationships but just sit down and say look you know what pull the team aside we're gonna knock this out today this is why start to form those relationships with the rest of the sailors um, the hardest thing is, you know, when you're a junior guy and that may be your chief, your divo, there are ways to approach this professionally with the individual. And it might be one of those things where, you know, I did this once where I, I went to a chief and said, Hey, with, with all due respect, um, tell me what you want to do in the morning and I'll put it out. And that wasn't perceived very good in the beginning, but we saw better work environments. We saw morale improve, believe it or not. Um, you, you need to be the change. You need to do your homework. You need to understand how emotional intelligence works up and down chain of command, especially in the military, because it works differently in, in civilian force. And that's understanding your environment. And, and some of that can just be pulling people aside. If you know somebody's having a bad day, regardless how that happened, maybe, you know, maybe chief yelled at them a little bit. Maybe they screwed up maintenance. Maybe something's going on at home. Pull them aside. Talk to them. Let them know that, you know, you can be an advocate for them, for whatever that is. A lot of this just boils down to being a decent human being, caring about each other, making sure that you know our, our shipmates, our airmen, our Marines, our soldiers, everybody is safe, everybody is, is comfortable in their work environment, and we're doing everything we can to help them excel in whatever way they need to excel. Easier said than done, right? I get that, um, but we can't let a, a bad environment destroy
0: a team awesome all right over to you final thoughts any tools resources you recommend and i'll add yeah, there, them to the episode description as we've talked about so so far i've got emotional intelligence 2.0 book and it might have been upgraded since i took it um <laughs> and then the uh emotional intelligence quiz you mentioned i'll throw those in the episode description yes,
1: I, I will i will send you those you know the, the good thing about this this is such a studied topic and there are so many resources out there like you said before you you can go to google right now google you know top 10 emotional intelligence factors and learn a lot from it i recommend and it's you got to spend some money for it but look at harvard business review they have very good it's a whole series of books on emotional intelligence i i will i will admit it's going to be an investment but it's probably some of the best reading you're ever going to do on this topic but that's by no means a definitive answer. There are plenty of YouTube videos, plenty of Google searches out there. The important thing is it doesn't matter where you're getting this information. You have to be willing to learn it. And the hardest thing is willing to change if you find yourself in a, a low EI situation. Yeah, um, That's the hardest thing.
0: Yeah, so it might be stuff like, I mean, it could indicate, you know, maybe anger management courses is needed. Um, and in some cases... Again, like there's some things I don't know if you can ever teach someone like, can I actually teach someone to develop empathy or is there something just inside that can prevent you from doing that, right?
1: You can't, but what you can do is, I I think there are certain people that understand, hey, I can't relate emotionally to other people. That's fine. You understand that. But I can have confidence in somebody else. You know like I can pull somebody aside, hey, I'm having a really hard time reading this situation. and, and this might be a, a private conversation, but pull hey, I'm having a hard time reading reading Greg over there. Can you what do you think? How do you assess this situation? Yeah, uh, and a lot of that, that's just being a good leader, knowing the tools at your disposal and knowing the skill sets of everyone around you.
0: Yep. and that's that humility you're talking about, being humble enough to know like, Absolutely. okay, I know I'm not, quote unquote, a people person per se. Because not everyone is. I've done assessments, I forget the name of the one, but you know, I leaned heavily more towards result orientation, right? Right. Result and task orientation and not people orientation. That doesn't mean I can't connect with people, but you know, this would matter like in the Navy, for example, at the higher level, right? Even at the division level, right? You got that triad. Maybe you've got a commanding officer who's Task-oriented, right? Hopefully, you got a command chief for an executive officer who's people-oriented. Hopefully, one of those three people. Because if you get three people that are task, right. you know, um, oriented, you can get yourself where it's just work, 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 and you can't account for the people side of it. So maybe it's just it is. If you, as long as you know, back to that self-awareness, it's okay. Hey, I I don't have empathy, or I struggle with empathy, and I'm trying to work to develop it. I'm in this leadership position, but I do know there's people on my team that are good with that. So pull them to the side and, and use them to your advantage to help you, you know, and like make the connection or offer the insight and fill the gaps back to that Johari window um, that you may mm-hmm. not be seeing. So use the people around you they They can be a great resource I think to help you manage this.
1: Absolutely.
0: All right. And then the last thing for me, I always like, so the big thing I think is I didn't, frankly, if I could go back to, well, I am going to probably be writing a uh, chief petty officer guide, third edition here soon, or starting to outline it. I'm going to definitely build in emotional intelligence because I didn't put it in the first edition and I didn't cover it in the petty officers guide, unfortunately. But again, plenty of resources out there. So my point, and it's not really a question for reflection. It's like go Google, do some self uh, you know assessment on uh, emotional intelligence attributes, and then assess yourself and go, Hey, where am I good? Can I read people? Can I read body language appropriately? Am I able to, you know, understand my own emotions and manage them as a situation dictates? And am, am I able to leverage my emotions when it's appropriate to enhance my influence tactics and communication skills as I need to? So, all right, Mike, I think that'll wrap it up. And for our listeners, I hope this uh, episode has offered them some insights and tools on how to work in this area, their leadership portfolio. And I'd offer, this is like personal power base strengthening, right? Getting, this is an attribute, you know, emotional intelligence falls heavily under that personal power base. So if you want to invest some time in strengthening your personal power, go ahead and this would be a great play to do it. Uh, Mike, great insights and advice on how leaders can take this EI theory and put it into practice to become a more versatile leader. Thanks for taking some time to join me.
1: Now, thank you. This was enjoyable. I'm, I'm glad we are able to talk again.
0: All right, absolutely. All right, everyone, that'll do it for this episode of the Cutlass Podcast. To learn more about this topic and more, Like I said, check out the resources in the episode description. Um, If you like what you hear, make sure to subscribe to the Cutlass Podcast on your favorite podcast channel. Like it, share it, help me spread this content to those who can use it to improve. Give me feedback and also consider checking out my webpage at www.cutlassleadership.com and make sure to follow my Facebook Cutlass Leadership Concepts page and my YouTube channel. This is Paul Kingsbury. Work hard to keep that leadership cutlass sharp. Reflect and improve and take what you learn to become a sturdy, versatile, and credible leader who dares to make a positive difference. I'll talk to you in the next episode.